that might have been the catalyst for me making a comeback. I mean, I, I honestly didn't think I would ever play professional golf again after that year. I didn't want to. And we're back for another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. Our other co-host, Matt Cermak, couldn't make it. The guy is at a wedding in Portugal right now, so it's just me. Thanks for hopping aboard another train. In case you guys are new, our mission on the Park Train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can essentially smile through anything. We interview PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers like you and me, and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you get out of your own way, shoot your lowest scores, and finally enjoy the ride. We'll get to our amazing interview with Jared Hack, um, Tour Pro, in a second that I guarantee is going to change a lot of your games. Before we do, quick word from our friends at Roback. Uh, you guys probably have heard me talk about Roback performance apparel before we've been partners with them for years i don't wear anything else my closet is filled with performance polos every polo has four-way stretch the collar stays stiff the designs get better every week they're always releasing new stuff and guess what every time they launch something new it sells out in usually a day um so if you guys aren't currently trying rowback performance apparel don't worry we gotcha Hit the link in our show notes, or it's always linked in our social accounts at the Partrain in our bio, and get yourself 15% off your first order. You're going to look good, play good, and feel good. Uh, I'm telling you, every person that I know that finally tries Roback Performance Apparel, they DM me, they text me, they call me, and they say, oh my God, you were right. It's the best quality performance apparel I've ever worn. I'm not going to buy anything else. Guys, I'm telling you, this is not just because we're partners with them. I gave away my Nikes, my Travis Matthews, my Peter Millars, my Adidas. I gave them all away because nothing compares to Roback. So get yourself 15% off. It's summer. Your polos probably need a little swap out. Um, You deserve it. Okay. Now, let's get into this episode with Jared Hack. Jared, to give you guys some context, was a decorated amateur. He beat Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler en route to winning the Western Amateur, which is um, a really prestigious uh, amateur tournament. He left college early to turn pro as a top prospect, eventually gaining Corn Ferry status, only to lose his way a little bit in tour status. He had the driver yips. Um, he shot high 80s multiple times in tournaments he missed 18 straight cuts on the corn ferry in 2018 which we talk about um but here's what's so interesting about jared's story jared was close to quitting the game he went to caddy at shadow creek in las vegas um but i don't think he ever lost faith that he could potentially come back and in recent weeks jared shot a 57 yes a 57 a 60 and then went on to win the Arizona Open. I think it's safe to say he's back. Um, and I think this episode is one of my recent favorites because uh, he's so real, he's so vulnerable. And we really unpack what was going on for him in 2018 versus what he's focusing on now. And I just want to make sure you guys realize I say this at the end of the episode as well, but I want to reiterate it here. A lot of people might think that Jared must have struggled with his swing 
gotten some things tweaked, and now he's playing his best golf ever. But it's actually not. There are some mechanical things he talks about that, but it's more so his mindset. He had way too much interference where his true game and true abilities weren't coming out. And now he's getting back to what helps him play his best golf. And if this guy can shoot a 57 to 60 and win a tournament um, after shooting 89, 85 on a weekend on the Corn Ferry, uh, I think all of you need to listen to this episode because I think there's a lot to learn. And I took a lot from my game as well. So I'll stop rambling. We'll get you to this amazing interview. Thanks to Jared for coming on. Um, if you're not following Jared, give him a follow. Q School is coming up, so I'm rooting for him. Golf on Twitter and Instagram. And guys, if we've provided any value to your game um, or if you've shared with a friend, we thank you. But all we ask is for you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps a lot, and we want your stories to inspire others. So if you've, you know, shot in your lowest score, we get a, you know, ten DMs a day. Um, take those DMs, throw them on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. It really helps us out. And remember, all of that worry, all of that stuff you're holding on to, all of the fear of failure, uh, and and fear of embarrassment, it's not helping you. So focus on what will help you. A lot of that you'll learn in this episode. Um, and remember, wherever the ball goes, find it, do your best with it. And at the end of the day, enjoy the ride. Thanks, as always, for hopping aboard. And uh, it really means a lot, guys. Take care. Jared Hack, I hope this doesn't feel like a downgrade. I know you normally ride the birdie train, but welcome aboard the par train. We're happy to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, man. So, Jared, we have so much to get into. I'm so excited for people to hear your story if they haven't already. Um, I got to start by asking what it feels like to know that you're going to break 60 and not be nervous. Yeah, that was that was a that was a fun day for sure. Obviously, you know, once the day started, I I didn't no one ever knows you're going to shoot your best round ever, you know, before you start. Um once I got into the round, man, once I, I think I eagled uh, 13, I was like, wow, I think I, I, you know, I was 14 through 13. I was like, I, I think I got this. And so I kind of took some of the pressure off for sure. Yeah, because you, to give people context, you shot a, we'll get into it, but you shot a 57. Um, and, you know, you three putted 17, I believe. Right? I did. I did. And you're going and you didn't know that 58 was the course record going into 18. You had a short birdie putt. And I remember hearing on another interview that you weren't nervous because you knew you were going to break 60 and you just kind of walked up there and banged that putt in. Yeah. Yeah. After three putting 17, I mean, I, I, I wasn't nervous there either. I think I actually, I was, I was more nervous on the comeback, putt. like, I, I wasn't nervous per se, but I was just more uh, I hadn't had a short putt all day. I hadn't had a, a two and a half, three footer that I actually had to focus because I had made, you know, all the 10, 12, 15, 20 footers that day. So it was kind of a shock that, oh, I have a three footer or two and a half footer now. Um, after hitting a pretty good first putt, I, I kind of hammered it a little bit, but um, pretty free rolling. So yeah, anyways, on 18, I was just like, all right, well, let's, let's finish this off. I broke 60. Um, yeah, and it was fun to, fun to shoot 57.
it's always kind of a funny thing to ask the starter, what is the course record here? You know, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, perfect. Good to know. Good to know. Thanks. And then you go tee off and you like snap hook one in the woods. Um, you've, you've broken two course records in a few weeks um, or about a month. Is it more satisfying to say that you've broken a course record versus breaking 60? I mean, they go hand in hand, but still, like, what, what is more satisfying to you? I, I just can't, I, I want to try and understand what that feels like. I'd, I mean, that's a tough question. Honestly, obviously, the, the 57 is something I'll probably never do again. I mean, even, even though, you know, we play Muni Skins every Tuesday, uh, I mean, they've been playing that game for years and, and no, one's, no one's done that. Um, right. And it's a lot of pros that play. So uh, that was very satisfying. But also, I, I mean, I shot, yeah, it was, I think it was five days later or so, I shot 60 at Quintero. Uh, to break Pat Perez's course record, I guess, by four. Um, mm-hmm. And that one was pretty funny because we were just driving down to practice on our way to the Arizona Open, me and another buddy from Vegas. And we happened to stop in the shop at Quintero just to see if they'd let us go practice a little bit. And the, the guys in the shop were super nice. And, and they're like, oh, we have a two o'clock tea time. You know, one of the assistants will go play with you guys. And another couple of uh, girls playing a practice run for the state women's am. And my buddy's just a goofball. Like when we get to the tees, like, oh, so what's the course record? And the guy's giving us the spiel and everything. And, you know, he's like, well, I'm glad we have the girls playing with us so we can have someone to test our course record. And just like, I'm sitting there shaking my head. Like, you're, <laughs> you're an idiot, man. Just stop talking. And I started off birdie, 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 birdie. And I was like, oh boy, here we, here we go. And I actually had like a 35 footer on 18 for 59. Wow. Was it close? It was like a four foot left to rider. I missed it probably six or eight inches high. Okay. Um, I hit a good putt. I, I hit yeah. a bad, I had, it was a tough tee shot. It was dead into the wind, uh, kind of tight. And I hit a good tee shot. I had like 155 in, uh, just a, a nine iron, you know, at the altitude we were playing at and everything, just a little nine iron. And I hit a, I hit a poor shot. I, I pulled it. The pin was tough, kind of short, right. And I wanted to make sure I gave myself a putt, which I did, but I, I hit, I was more upset about the approach shot than the putt. Got it. And did you say the classic line, Jared? Because I've been lucky enough to birdie the first three holes. And after every hole, I said, well, you can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first. And then I said it again and again. I mean, My, did you the, say that line? The buddy I was playing with did. He's like, well, sheesh, you know, <laughs> I guess you can't birdie them all if you don't birdie the first five. Like, um, yeah, no, that, that that is a good one. I playing Muni skins. Uh, I think I my first par was number six. I was I was six through five, I believe. Um, and everybody was like, "Oh gosh, he's human. He made a par." I think your story, and we'll get into it. Obviously, is so interesting because a lot of people, you know, you hear it a lot. Like, obviously, you don't realize how good, how many good players there are. Um, a lot of people just know the stories like the Speeths and the Rory's and, you know, they turn pro young and they kind of go like this and your career has been more of a roller coaster and I think making it really relatable. And I think there's a lot of amazing learnings there. One theme, uh, that I've realized that I've kind of picked out as I've researched and learned more about you and your story is I think you've found a really nice sweet spot of believing that you can be great without the expectations 
that you will be or have to be. And I'd love to understand the combination or the fine line between belief and expectations. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to to say you believe, uh, you know, it, that you can play on the PGA Tour and, and that. And in golf, it's weird because a lot of the times you, you actually have to. I mean, at some point you had never, you know, I had never won a golf tournament, so I had to believe that I could do that. Um, but you don't, you don't necessarily win or do any of that stuff by uh, expecting to, like you said, right? You don't right. Ex- expect it. You believe it, which is kind of a blind faith. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I've learned over the last shoot year and a half that, yeah, belief and expectation are not the same thing. And I, I think that's what got me in trouble in the, in, in the middle part of my career was starting to expect too much. You know, I did, I truly believed with, you know, all my heart that I belong on the PGA tour that I could play out there. And that doesn't, it, it does matter. Um, but when you start to expect it is when you, when you get in trouble. So, uh, you know, my biggest theme over the last year or so is just continue to, to play one shot at a time and have fun. Uh, and I can honestly say like, I played a tournament last week, uh, and I started off so poorly in the final round. I was three over through four, uh, you know, and I was, I was kind of in backdoor contention. I was four shots behind the lead ting off on Sunday. So I was like, I put myself out of the tournament and I, I was looking back on, it, I was like, wow, I was really proud of myself. I stayed patient. Um, I made a couple of birdies and I made another double and I birdied four of my last six holes. And I, I promise you a couple of years ago, I would have been so frustrated internally. I would have had no chance to make birdies coming in. And that was just a nice kind of reminder of having fun and enjoying each shot and playing each shot as if it's like one long golf tournament instead of just focusing on, oh, I screwed up today. Yeah. Well, I think that plays off of something you've said before, which is you don't have to be perfect, right? And, you know, I remind myself of this a lot where, look, I've made bogey with a wedge in my hand from the fairway, and I've made birdie from the trees, right? Exactly, exactly. It's kind of like this, um, I think it's just more of a fun, free way to play golf that... um, Wherever the ball goes, let's go, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it'd be a lot more fun for some of you know amateur players to go out and see how many shots in a round they can actually enjoy. So you know, yeah. hey, if they picked a good target, they they hit it, you know, with without expectation as freely as possible instead of maybe keeping score all the time and. Oh, I'm supposed to break 90 today and I shot 92. So I'm frustrated. Well, no, how about the nice up and down you made out of the bunker or, you know, whatever it is. I, you know, when I caddy at Shadow Creek and I see these guys getting mad about their golf game, I'm like, sir, how often do you practice? Well, I play about every two weeks. Well, then why are you getting upset? Like, you're not supposed to be good. You're supposed to suck. Sorry. Like, have fun. You're at Shadow Creek. Enjoy it. Totally. Well, we just had Corn Ferry Pro. He's trying to work his way back. Mike Johnson. I don't know if you know Mike. Yeah, I know Michael. Um, he's been on the show a couple times. And, you know, I think the theme from his, we call them mental game roundtables, right? We like to dig in with different folks. And I think for Mike, which rang true for, for your story as well, it was the theme of getting out of his own way. 
And uh, I think what's really interesting about mini tours and corn ferry, even more so than the PJ tour, is what the meaning of what you're doing is very close behind every shot, meaning one win away, one cut away. Um, the money is so much more meaningful. It can literally make the difference between having to stop versus being able to keep pursuing it. Um, but that's a really tough balance because if you're focused on what everything means, you can't be focused on what you're actually trying to do. And I wanted to really dig in today on how you are now. It seems like you're focused more, much more on your executional keys and the shot key and what you have in front of you versus what it means and kind of like, okay, the chips are going to fall where they're going to fall. Focusing on what it means right now doesn't actually help me. So let me focus on what I'm trying to do. I'd love to hear about how you're doing that this past year. Yeah. I, well, one, I think if you're, for me anyway, uh, if I'm results oriented, I'm in trouble. Like I'm behind from the start. Um, yeah. You know, a mental coach I work with, Paul Doolin, he told me this. I think that probably one of the first times we worked together is control what I can control. And he asked me, he asked me this list of things that I could control. And man, I was wrong on a lot of this stuff. I'm like, I can't control, you know, the lie I get in the fairway. Well, I'm like, well, I can control if I hit the fairway. Well, not really. Once the ball leaves the face, you can't control. Like a yeah. bird could hit your ball in the air and kick it in the wall. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, that's something I say to myself all the time is control what I can control. And I can control my, my breath work. I can control picking a good target, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and you build, you build confidence off of that stuff, knowing that, Hey, no matter what I have zero regret regrets after I hit this shot. Uh, and that for some reason builds confidence that you can actually then hit the shot and execute the shot. And then when you're in a situation where there's a little bit more pressure on yourself, you just revert right back to that. So, Hey, you know what? I'm okay with whatever happens here. If I hit a bad shot, I hit a bad shot. Uh, yeah. but I know I can control X, Y, Z and, and go do it. And so that's given me a lot of confidence to, yeah, to play under pressure when honestly, in the last few years, I wasn't able to, I was, that, that scared me almost to play. Um, now I, I have this belief system where the result is what it is and I can control what I can. Um, you know, I tell people a lot too, it's like, why do you get mad at yourself? And I, uh, trust me, I'm guilty of it too. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect at all, but you know, if I was out caddying for you in a tournament and you hit a bad shot, I wouldn't, you know, sit there and belittle you and stuff, but we do it to ourselves all the time. Man, you're yeah. such an idiot for doing, well, why it doesn't, it's not any fun. It's not useful. So I've been trying to play this game with myself. Like every time I kind of start that little trend in my head or whatever, it's like, no, it's like handing $20 to everybody in the field. If you think about it, that's like a thousand bucks in a mini tour event or what, you know, you don't want to do that. So, that. uh, yeah, when you think about it that way, it's like it makes it even more fun to stay positive because then you look around and you see some of these guys just imploding and it's like, okay, well, you know, I could have done that and I didn't. I stayed the course and I controlled what I can. Yeah, I love that, Jared, because it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to focus on what everything means. It's easy to let the pressure focus on the pressure, right? And so I remind myself of that a lot too, that it doesn't matter if you, you know, think that you're like a mental guru or the fact that you even know 
and you're working on those keys to me means you're ahead of a lot of people out there. And I think that's a good reminder for anyone that listens to this show or follows us is it's, it's hard to reset. It's hard to fo- refocus on something that is not the automatic thought pattern because we're wired to be 80% negative. We're wired to protect ourselves. We're wired to avoid threats. And that's just, you know, our biology. So, um, yeah, I love, I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you can, if you can give yourself the best chance to hit a good shot, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. So, you know, if you, silly analogy, but people always say, Oh, you got a gun to your head. What are you going to do? Well, I'm, I think I'm learn. I've learned now to give myself the best chance instead of panicking or thinking about what could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's and if I hit a bad shot, then I hit a bad shot. But at least I have zero regrets, which is I think that's something that I can be proud of, and then that builds the confidence and that keeps that process going. Yeah, we've had Dr. Joe Parent, the author of Zen Golf, on the show. Yeah, he's one of my favorite authors, and um, he he talks about this. How you know, to your point about what you can control, what you can't control. A lot of people try and make putts. He says, you actually, your job is not to make your putt. Your job is to get it started. So if you ask an amateur or even a pro, can you roll that ball two inches in front of your, your ball? Can of you course. Pick a spot to, of course. That's actually quite easy to do. So if you focus on that, then you look up and see, okay, I just gave my ball the best chance to go in, right? It's so funny to me. And that's why I love this stuff is because that is a very small tweak that could potentially separate someone from putting incredibly tentative to entirely free. Absolutely. I mean, I think honestly, throughout my career, I've been a way better putter from eight to 12 feet than I have from four to six feet which is ridiculous, right? Yeah. Statistically. Yeah. But it's that same case that you always kind of, I, I always kind of, Oh, I should make this, you mm-hmm. know, kind of not saying that I'm a bad putter, but when I've struggled, it's been that range. I feel more free from the eight to 15 foot range. And lately it's, it's been a, a lot better from short range because I'm not trying to make the putt. I'm trying to execute the best I can. And it's totally different. And I think deep down i actually am accepting okay if if the putt doesn't go in it's okay because i did everything i could so i want to give people a little context of how you got to where you are today i know you were a decorated amateur it's been well documented but i want to give context that you beat dj dustin johnson and ricky to win the western amateur um can you give people a little context for people that aren't familiar with that tournament what makes the western amateur so prestigious well, one, I mean, it, it was at Point of Woods for such a long time. What a, it's an amazing golf course, really special golf course. Uh, it's also a, an extremely long golf tournament. It's 72 holes of stroke play cut to 16 for match play, then four, four matches. Um, wow. So they go, I think it's one, 156 or 160 cut to 50. You keep your scores, and then af- after that, they play a 36-hole day, and they cut it down to 16. So it's a long week. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's really good players. I mean, it's, uh, you know, essentially us amateur field. Something I noticed when you were talking about this in another interview is you were really excited just to get to match play. 
Because I think you reflected on you don't get to play match play that often. Match play is fun. Really, anyone can win in match play. Like, technically, if Tiger had a really bad day, I could maybe win. Well, let's be honest, I wouldn't. But there's, I have a chance, right? Ask, ask Stephen Ames. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think that this is a really uh, interesting theme that I see across a lot of big, successful moments is people will say, I was just happy to be there, right? Um, I think it allows you to be really present and calm and it allows you to focus more on what you're doing. Um, but it seems like the longer you do something, the harder it is to be happy to be there. I'm just curious about your thoughts on that and how you've kind of refound the joy of simply playing. Well, I, I mean, I think that week I was, I was a hundred percent an underdog. I mean, no one really, yeah. I mean, I did win the Western junior the year before, but Ricky and Dustin had just got named to the Walker cup team that day. Um, the morning of Ricky and I's match. Uh, so I had no expectation. Like you said, I was having fun. Like I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to win. So I had nothing to lose. And I think on accident as a 17 year old kid, I controlled what I could, right? Like I had fun yeah. and I went and played one shot at a time. I think then, you know, I win that golf tournament and you start playing well, that's when the expectations start creeping in. Well, I've done it before, then I should be able to do it again, et cetera. You know, moving on and I, it kind of goes to what we started talking about is just expectation i think that's the biggest killer of anything in this game is you it doesn't owe you anything and you can't expect anything i think as long as you do everything each day the best you can uh properly you know not goofing around but like little things it's nothing i've said this before too it's there's no magic beans like you're not going to just be successful overnight for, for doing nothing. But I, I don't think it's, you don't have to grind yourself down and beat yourself up and practice 18 hours a day either. You just have to do the right things that work for you uh, and believe, you know, keep believing in them. Yeah. I think Nellie Corda said this recently. She said that every day is a blank slate for her. Um, even after a really good day, like most people would say that after, you know, shooting a 78 or an 80 or something but she tries to do the same thing after a good round and i think that's uh i think that's where a lot of us get in trouble amateurs especially because immediately our egos are in check and get hurt if we hit a terrible shot people are watching and the first thing you think is i'm better than this i've done this shot a million times i should be able to do this but she somehow figures out how to do, you know, have a blank slate. I think that's important. Yeah, no, it's the classic case of you, you go play with an eight handicap and he shoots, you know, 37 on the front and he's just, oh boy, so happy. And then shoots 51 on the back because yeah. expectations, right? Or vice versa. The eight handicap goes and shoots 51 on the front and lets go of everything and shoots 37 on the back. Uh, yeah. You know, if you could, yeah, find a way to have have that blank slate it's it's empowering and that's one thing i've learned too over all of this is it's not just golf skills it's life skills um yeah. i mean if you can I, i've gotten so much better sitting in traffic not getting frustrated or you know that sort of thing and and really it it, it is all a practice and it feeds into each other yeah well it's funny you mentioned traffic i actually coach a few golfers uh mentally and one of the things i asked 
one of my players is um, what when you're sitting in traffic, what do you say to yourself? Well, I wish I wasn't sitting in traffic. Well, wishing for something that is the opposite of your reality when you can't control it is the perfect recipe for frustration, right? So acknowledging your reality instead of pushing against it is actually a great, really one of the best life tools you can have because people can spend their whole life pushing against their current reality and never actually enjoy their current experience. Um, and nothing makes them happy. So I think that's a really great example. And people should ask themselves where they're doing that on the golf course, right? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I, I've definitely gotten a lot better at um, enjoying the views on the golf course. And, yeah. you know, I might hit a bad shot and just look like last week we played a tournament in Grand Junction and the huge monument, you know, national park is right next to the course. And just look up at the red rocks and, and the skyline and stuff. It's, it's cool. It's like, all right, not many people get this as their office view. So enjoy this. So, Jared, uh, we've had, I don't know if you know, Chris Nagel. Um, he's been on the corn ferry, um, as well. And the theme from his episode was aggressive towards conservative targets. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's actually stuck out to me over the last year of interviews we've done is you would think that all the guys on the PGA tour can hit any shot, any flight pattern, go at any flag. But a lot of times they're only picking like five to six flags that they're really going at per round. A lot of times they're hitting the fattest part of the fairway, fattest part of the green, and they know that the more chances they have at birdies, even if they're 20 feet, the more birdies they'll probably make versus, you know, going at something, short-siding themselves, bringing bogey or double into play. Mm -hmm. Is it a challenge to stay? I mean, you're playing as good as anyone right now 60 57 you just won the arizona open you know that you can go low and usually the best players in the world don't get tentative when they go low they can go lower um which is i know what separates pros versus like really really good um amateurs um or even pros on higher levels versus pros on you know mini tours but is it a challenge to stay patient and disciplined when you know that you can go low or you can attack any flag like what is that balance for you of swinging aggressive but at conservative targets no that's a that's a great question uh and that's that's ideal i think if you really pay attention to the way the game's moving uh you know i was fortunate enough to get to work with scott fawcett decade golf yeah. uh you know a We've little bit when, um i i still implement that uh when i play and it it's actually a sense of freedom because you know you're doing again the things you can control right? It, right it is frustrating when you're swinging well to aim an iron iron 26 feet left of the hole or something but at the end of the day uh i i i remember i know this for a fact is it's on the corn fairy tour especially bogey avoidance is huge i mean when guys are going that low out there it is just as important not to make bogeys as it is to make birdies and if you're in a position where you're not going to make bogey you obviously have a chance at birdie Right. Uh, so they go hand in hand. So if you if you start buying into that and believing it and, and doing it consistently, it actually makes the process much easier uh, and, and much more fun. For me, I mean, I, I think that 
having 18 birdie putts in a round is, is much more fun than firing at a flag and missing a shot, just, just a little bit and being short-sighted. Uh, you know, that's, that's a frustrating, that's a trigger to me is, is making a silly mistake. So yeah, um, I definitely like that the aggressive to conservative targets because you can be free, you can be, and you know, you're making the right decision. We're going to take a quick break to pay the bills. We'll get you right back to the show. Guys, are you looking for golf gear that offers premium performance? Do you guys like premium performance? Stuff that performs no matter what, but at a fair price instead of breaking the bank? Well, Sticks Golf Clubs are on par with all the big brands. Trust me, I've worked for one of them, um, and I've hit the Sticks Golf Clubs. And it's not just an ad read. This is legit, okay? I was actually shocked by how good the clubs were um, without the massive markup. And guess what? During September, Styx is celebrating their first year in business. They've only been around for one year, and they're selling out like crazy. They're really giving the big club manufacturers a run for their money. Um, they're celebrating their first year in business with daily giveaways. So visit Styx Golf Gear on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for amazing prizes and surprises throughout the month. And check out their minimalist all-black clubs with high-quality finishes and the latest tech at sticks.golf that's sticks.golf and use the code partrain sent me for 10% off so not only are you going to get a full set of awesome performing clubs for like 800 bucks instead of like 2 to 3 grand you also can get another 10% off using the code partrain sent me so make sure you go to sticks.golf enter the code partrain sent me and follow them on Instagram Facebook Twitter sticks golf gear and access all of these great giveaways. We're going to be doing some at the par train. And uh, I'm really excited and so happy for them to see the amazing success they're having. And, you know, they're more than just a golf club company. They're making golf more accessible and inclusive and allowing everyone to have really high-quality golf clubs that will break the bank. And so give them a look. I'm telling you guys... If you want a new set that won't break the bank or you're just starting out, Styx is an incredible option. So give them a look. Enter the code PARTRAIN sent me. Now let's get back to the show. It's funny how much the ego plays into it, right? Oh, yeah. Like for me personally, Jared, I've realized lately, and to others, it probably doesn't even seem like I'm hitting a three quarter punch action. Um, It probably looks full to other people, but to me, I have it a little back in my stance and even that I sometimes have to challenge myself. I'm like, can you just make like a full swing? But then I look at my results and I'm like, well, they're going the same distance, if not longer. And I'm hitting it much more solid and I feel more controlled. So why would I take a full swing? Exactly. But it's like something in the ego feels like I'm almost like cheating the sit you know what i mean like there's something weird oh, absolutely. that i like, won't allow myself to hit a three-quarter punch for all of my iron shots oh i mean there's there's always that you know you step up on a par three with other guys and i'm holding the six iron and they're holding the seven iron it's like yeah there's a little bit but that's that's out of your control you got to right. hit the right shot hit the right shot why would like you said why would you not want to score lower hit the ball more solid hit the ball straighter so it's it's one of those things if you sit back like you have and think about it you're like well let's keep doing that because that's working totally i got a member guest next week and yes and this past weekend i just decided like 
F it. I'm going to like play that shot all week and we'll see where it leaves us. Also, like you said, too, you know, an outsider looking in, it may look like a full motion. So that might be, you know, the most efficient swing for you. Yeah, totally. So, Jared, I want to talk about 2018 for a second. I know you've talked about it before, but I do think there's a lot of valuable insights here because to me, my big goal out of today, other than just getting to know you as a person, was I think a lot of people might see someone with your story and think, well, he must have just, he was playing bad and now he's playing good. And he must have just done some things with his swing and now he's found it and he's playing good. But, and I'm sure there are things mechanically that you've worked on, but I think probably more importantly, I want to get into your mindset when you were playing with a lot of fear. I know you said you were even scared to play with friends in 2018. Um, yeah. 18 missed cuts in a row on the Corn Ferry um, versus, I, I want to look at your mindset then versus your mindset now. What was in your mind in 2018? Yeah, I mean, at the worst part of it, I seriously didn't want to play golf. I was, uh, it was embarrassing. It was fearful. It was not fun. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't enjoy it at all. I was, it was totally, the intention was totally on what could go wrong instead of what could go right. Um, and I didn't realize that at the time. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I would, my routine would be quick. I just wanted to get shots over with, uh, hmm. at the end of the day, it was, it was everything, the opposite of what you should do. You know, it didn't control anything I could control. Tried to try to go for controlling things I couldn't, uh, but again, didn't realize it all while I was doing it. So at the end of the day, I I'm very grateful for that experience. I think that that might have been the catalyst for me making a comeback. I mean, I, I honestly didn't think I would ever play professional golf again after that year. I didn't want to, I was scared, frustrated, disappointed. Um, but I also have always been surrounded by really, really awesome people, uh, just mentors in my life swing coaches, friends, family, mental coaches, sports psychs, what, whatever it is, uh, always had great people around me and no one would let me quit. So, um, I appreciate that. And just kind of having the opportunity to work at shadow and not have to stress about my bills and, and get to kind of set my own timetable of doing whatever it is I wanted to do with golf. Uh, I think really allowed me to have more fun. I mean, I went and played I, when I moved out here, I played the Cal state open that summer. I shot 89, 83 or 89, 84. Um, and I was just like, what am I doing? Like still just, I, I, I didn't hate myself for it. I was still nervous. I was still scared, but I was like, you know what? At least I did it. It was kind of a, an empowering step. Like, you know what? I didn't want to play. I, I wanted to play, but I didn't want to play. Right. And that was an empowering step. I'm like, okay, well, you know, can only kind of get better from here. My swing started. I, I, I started working with a guy um, in British Columbia, uh, just being a little bit more athletic and, and doing things that I could understand. So it was basically kind of guiding me along to do things I could understand instead of let's nail this piece or this piece. And then I can, you know, play well. Well, if 
that doesn't feel right in a tournament, then I was in serious trouble yeah. versus now I've got feels and stuff that I can do. It's like, okay, well I can hit a three quarter, you know, I know for sure that I can hit this flat stinger ball. And if I have to guide myself around a golf course, I know at least I can do that. Yeah. Um, so that's that sort of thing. So just baby steps uh, to kind of get myself back and yeah, really working hard with uh, mental coach and sports psych of doing the daily stuff, man, that the, the daily awareness goals kind of yeah. uh, set in and, just getting better a little bit every day. Um, so, you know, a sports psych, I work with Dr. Nick Molinaro. Um, and we set daily goals. Basically the first, the first meeting I had with him, he's like, you know, I think we can cut down your negative thoughts and your mental chatter by 50% in two weeks. And I said, okay. Um, and he's like, it's not going to be that hard. You just have to do it. And really all we did was, uh, every hour check in as many times as I can with myself on where, where my thoughts were. That was the first day, you know, and then the next day it was like, okay, well let's add a nice relaxing breath when we check in. Okay. Then the next day let's add a stuff. So we kind of just kept adding stuff. And before I knew it, I was more focused on the stuff that I had to do kind of the homework than any of the negative stuff. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, I, where your awareness and where your intention is, is, is what you're going to think about, what you're going to feel, what you're going to be, what you're going to do. So if you can, like you said earlier, we're trained 80% to be negative and then that sort of thing. Well, if we can retrain ourselves, it's the same thing. It's the same work. It takes as much energy, energy to be negative as it does positive, but we're just trained in our society to be negative. So right. I've kind of tried to rewire it to where I keep aware and, and stay positive and I tell you what, man, I haven't had like that, that chest tightness, uh, stress at all in a year and a half. Like I haven't, nothing's gotten to me to where it's been like that. Um, and it's all because of this, this awareness stuff. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, a lot of people that don't have that training kind of scoff when they hear something like that, because they're still being trained in reaction. And they have automatic thought patterns and they haven't short circuited those patterns yet. And so a lot of times what you just described is what we've talked to Dr. Joe Perrin about. I'd start, I was lucky. I learned that at a very young age. Um, so I've coached companies and people on stress using the same principles, which is look like literally write on your scorecard, how many negative things you say to yourself per hole. And you will be shocked by how many there are. And then your only goal for the next time is decrease that number. Absolutely. And suddenly, you start to catch yourself while you're in it. And then when you get really good at it, you'll catch yourself before you even say it. And then you can start to replace that with positive thoughts. And, oh, that wasn't actually me. Maybe I just wasn't committed. Or maybe I just hit the wrong shot. Maybe I didn't realize that lie was as fluffy as it was. And then you kind mm -hmm. of play golf with this, you know, more taking things as they come, less personal, less tying to your self-worth, and you can just kind of play. Yeah. No, that's, that's great. That's amazing stuff. Uh, another one, a couple buddies of mine and I have been playing too is uh, it's a dollar every time we judge someone or judge ourselves. Mm. And you don't realize how much I owe. Oh, like Again, that. speaking for me, 
you you know walking down the street and you just judge someone for no reason and, yeah. oh why are they wearing that shirt or whatever just mm-hmm. something silly right and now it's gotten to the point where we'll just look at each other and be like i owe you a dollar <laughs> <laughs> and then the other person will be like why and they just laugh you know so now it's fun it's fun but again awareness training like you you do that to yourself more than you do anybody else. You judge yourself so much harder than anybody else. So yeah, you said earlier a second ago, you said you were trying when you were kind of at your lowest of lows, you were trying to control all the things you couldn't. Um, what were some of the things you were trying to control that you couldn't? I mean, the golf ball <laughs> for one, yeah. just was it uh, guidey? Were you being very, Oh guidey? man, I, I think I, I've said this analogy a few times. Uh, it just felt like a, I was using a garden hose as a golf shaft. Oh, like yeah. I was using a orange whip or something. I mean, dude, the club face was twisting everywhere. I mean, it was just, my swing was gross and it was obviously 90% mental that got to that point. Right. But at that point, I mean, I, I, I got to where it was hard to pull the club back and then it was essentially it was anticipatory anxiety so i was anticipating impact and flinching at impact which is scary um it's not fun so i think the more that happened the more i would try to control things uh you know the more i tried to control the club head the worse it got Uh, and you, you know instead of just thinking about tempo or or some sort of you know constructive piece that i could attain i would think about harder stuff that just got me more and more down a rabbit hole so you mentioned you had the driver yips i mm-hmm. assume that's what you're describing obviously it's uh, and it turned into like everything honestly yeah and the interesting thing about the yips um is it's really driven by two things right it's driven by embarrassment and avoidance mm-hmm. and um you're trying to avoid it every time you go up to the ball and you're incredibly embarrassed by the result um, or the potential of the result. And then you just get into tentativeness. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jared, and this is something I just realized for my own game and I just shared it yesterday. I made a video on it and it's so, I just can't, I can't wait to get your thoughts on it. So to me, there are two states of playing golf. You can either play defensive or you can play offense. Now, a lot of people, when they hear that, they might think that playing offense means really aggressive or with a lot of confidence. But what I've suddenly realized is defensive is what you just described in 2018. Offensive doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be confident. It's just more of a like, let's go right i i love this my my coach tells me this all the time uh you know he was he was a very good player chris chunzer uh for the german national team and everything and he said that the german national coach would say that all the time and what i get out of it and what we've kind of got to is it like you said it doesn't mean you're you're like aggressive and all this stuff for me it means commitment like i'm gonna commit to this to this goal whatever it is that's offensive so you know, we hit shots, like I said, like kind of the punch shots, we call them freezers. Mm. Um, and it's where I just oh, like, I like that. My, my exit piece is only like knee high. And, you know, it promotes a lot of stability for me. It keeps my chest moving. It keeps the face stable. 
and there's been tournaments where he's like, you know, be offensive today. If you're struggling, you know, if your range session isn't good, don't be afraid to like commit to that shot, even off the tee with driver. And it doesn't go much shorter and it it's compressed. It's straight, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think that to me, that's what that means is I, I wasn't scared to commit to something that may be a little out there, but it, it got me in a, in an offensive mode instead of being, you know, sitting on the tee trying to guide one and whatever. Yeah. It's almost like people can do this really in any form of their life, but even like I've noticed with workouts, um, and exercise, like you could equally go into a workout with like, Oh my God, this is going to be hard. I don't know if I want to do this. I'm tired. I'm going to feel like, I don't want to feel like I'm going to throw up during this. Or I don't know if you've ever read the book, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, but um, he's this like Navy SEAL maniac. And he, like, you'll hear LeBron say, like, I don't get tired. Tired is a mindset. I don't get tired. And if you simply like, even just saying something like that to yourself, like, I'm going to go crush this workout. I don't care if I'm tired or what. Like, I'm going to be a maniac today. And it's, there is a totally different energy with it usually have a much better workout if you get tired it's not nearly as debilitating as the as the former and a lot of people play golf in the former you know the entire time you're just realizing you're playing defensive whereas now it's like and that's what the punk shot helps me with because like i don't have as much of an option to kind of lay back you know or not be committed it really helps me like go after it well, and then, you know, just like the, the workout analogy is like at the end of it, you're, even if you were tired, you still went, you still did it. So at the end of it, you're, you, you know, Hey, I, I wasn't feeling it today. I got through it. I powered through it. That's a sense of accomplishment, you know? So same with the, the offensive stuff in golf, I wasn't quite feeling what I wanted to do today, but I stuck with it. And I, not in a smart ass way either in like a, Hey, a committed way. And th- those little bits of, of, uh, accomplishment and confidence build into something better as well. Instead of, instead of kind of going, you know, falling off the fence the other way, you, you fall forward. At least you fall on your feet instead of kind of falling on your butt and wasting the day. Yeah. So I really want to dig in to, we talked about your mindset in 2018. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you were playing with a lot of fear, very defensive, tentative fear of results probably a lot of golf swing instead of actually playing golf mm-hmm. um to now 57 60 won the arizona open um for the average player that could never sniff those numbers what is something that has unlocked that for you because you know jared it's interesting you're really the same golfer Mm-hmm. You've you've just removed the things that were getting in the way. And so I really want to help people understand what you've removed and what you're focusing on to maybe unlock their best. I mean, I think we we've definitely kind of dug into it a little bit already just by by some of the other little tidbits we've yeah. said, but really just playing one shot at a time and I know that sounds cliché, but I can control my breath work. I can control my attitude. I can control uh, how I, how I want to, you know, if I'm tired today, I can say, Hey, listen, let's do this. Like I can, just like you said. And I think at the end of the day, it's becoming, if it's, you know, if it's a scale, 
you got to be at least 51% on that side, you know, of, of that. You can't let the, my buddy says something, um, you know, he's like, you got to starve the a-hole inside of you. You got to starve that guy who, you know, whether it's your ego, whether it's whatever, you got to, you got to starve that person and you do it by focusing on the other stuff. Um, and so I think I built confidence, uh, enough in my process and also let go of what other people think. You know, if you're playing at your member guest or your country club, yeah, if you hit up, if you top it off the first tee in front of everybody, they don't care. Everybody's going to laugh. Everybody's having a beer. Every You're supposed to do that. Like it's, it's fun. It's okay. It doesn't yeah. matter. No one's going to remember that five years from now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I really wish, I really wish I had that attitude in, in 2018 is like, no one cared that I was playing, you know, I wasn't being a, a jerk out there. I was, you know, I was, I was frustrated or whatever, but no one cared. They knew I was trying. Um, and at the end of the day, if that, if that's what you're doing, then you're fine. You don't, you don't have to be fearful of what everybody else thinks because it's your own story, man. It's your own life. Like yeah. you're doing the best you can. That is a huge piece. Um, you know, I just played in a charity tournament on Monday and I played pretty tentative the first couple holes I'm playing with guys I don't know. And I caught myself playing defensive. And it's like, when you realize that I like, don't feel like I belong for a second, or I feel like, you know, I don't want to mess up or I don't want to feel like I'm worse than I actually am. That stuff is doing the exact opposite of helping you get the results that you want. A hundred percent. It's just like, it's funny when you realize that this, when trying to prevent an outcome is actually creating the outcome you don't want. And uh, I think self-worth is also a big theme of Huge. your story. Because I think you used to tie your self-worth to your, store, to your scores. Rory talked about this a few years ago at the Masters. Like, he's not tying his self-worth to his scores anymore or trying not to. And uh, I think that's a really freeing lesson that golf teaches about life it's like wherever your ball goes however you play like you're the same person um and it doesn't who gives a shit what the person thinks in the group like that's their dollar they have to spend you know with judgment if they are right that's yeah. not yours so just get back to like firing at what you want to fire at and like let it fly you know absolutely i think also too is like i i don't know i mean i i've heard this from other people. And, and I, I know, cause I play competitive golf, but if you think that Rory's not excited or nervous or butterflies, I, maybe nervous isn't the right word, but he's excited. He's aroused. He's at a higher level than just playing with his buddies when he's chasing yeah. down somebody in a major or whatever, those guys get those feelings too. They're not immune to them, but they've learned how to, to harness them. And I think I started equating anxiousness nervousness and stuff to oh my gosh i'm gonna hit a bad shot mm -hmm. it's not true it's not and that's one thing that's helped me as well as separating that just that thought you know i was nervous on the first tee at arizona i was nervous the whole day uh you know i i definitely had just these brief thoughts of well, what if i hit this one ob off the first tee and have her and it's immediately like nope let's go back to what i can control you know i caught myself and if i did hit it ob whatever it's i did what I could control. So I didn't yeah. equate, I didn't lock myself down to thinking that, Hey, just because I'm nervous, I can't hit a good shot. And that, I think that's been something very empowering to me as well.
we've had a few people. We do a mental game mailbag format where people call in with a question. We take three or four questions an episode of you know our listeners or followers. And a few people have asked, and I've struggled with this over the years, um, have asked about driver yips or I just can't get off the tee. And what happens is they demonize this club and assume they can't hit it. And every time you get up to the tee, everyone has their least favorite shot that they write, whether it's a block, a snap hook, mm-hmm. uh, something with chip, whatever it is for you. Mine has been a block, right? We've had Brendan Todd on the show. He used the same thing. I know you struggled with that too. Um, that, that is one of the hardest hurdles to get over, um, especially because that's a split second at the top to not be tentative. What has helped you feel more confident with the driver to let it fly? Has there been some swing keys as well as uh, the mental side? Definitely, definitely a lot of swing mechanic stuff. Uh, my, I didn't realize how much uh, th- this might be a uh, too deep, but pelvic stability. So, like my, basically, I was like early extending, so my hips would basically hump the golf ball essentially so i'd be way under playing and that so i i didn't realize how much uh that caused a lot of my issues so being able to stabilize that and use the ground more and i'm I'm pretty sure brendan todd probably talked about that a lot too um also i would clinch my jaw and my Mm. shoulders and my neck would be tight and everything so this is something seriously at arizona open this was one thing that i could control and that was one of my goals that day is I was hitting every tee shot with my mouth open. Really? Yeah. I mean, not like Michael Jordan tongue out or anything, (laughs) but just like tiny bit open and like relaxing my jaw and my shoulders and maintaining Mm. that throughout the swing. So that was like my big goal for the swing was, Hey, let's, let's stay relaxed. Cause if I, if I don't tense up and shrug my shoulders then I'm going to be fine, my Mm. mechanics are good enough. My mental game's good enough. It's going to be good enough. And that's the other thing too, is you talked about, you know, being perfect or not, but, we're not perfect. We're not sniper rifles out there. And I think Joe Parent might have mentioned this in his book, right? Is too many yeah, of us try to be sni- shotgun yeah. blast is what we are. Yeah. Well, if you can keep your shotgun blast on the grid, which Scott Fawcett also talks about, that's why he designed what he did, mm-hmm. then we're fine. So that's another uh, freedom right there is it doesn't have to be perfect. I can hit a slightly poor tee shot that's still fine it's just in the right rough or left rough and i think i was getting so locked down into being perfect mm-hmm. um so now it's like all right well if i stay relaxed if i pick a good target and i maybe maybe it's you know freezer finish or whatever it might be it's like the ball's gonna go forward ish yeah it might not be perfect but if i can stay in bounds in play then you know my putting chipping mental game is good enough to where i can i can score yeah, it's so funny you say that, Jared, because, uh, you know, I do, I've loved doing yoga over the years. It's taught me a lot. And one thing I've realized through that practice is I push my tongue up against the roof of my mouth a lot and I don't even realize it. And so when they say, like, relax everything, relax your jaw, relax your mouth, relax your tongue, like, it sounds silly in the golf standpoint, but it's not. Like, it's not. It's tension. I- I wonder how many people actually do that. Like I, I was finding myself even a few weeks ago, like in the first few rounds of Arizona open, I was doing, it. I could feel myself through the, and I was kind of holding on to the driver head a little bit because 
I played it a few years ago and I was like, I didn't hit driver once during the tournament. I made the cut, but I was hitting three irons off the tee and like seven irons into the greens. And I realized I was clinching my draw just, you know, a, a, again, a few weeks ago. So that was a huge freedom. Uh, also gives you something to do something yeah. positive, constructive to do. If you're thinking about staying relaxed, you're not thinking about tensing up or freaking out or hitting it wild. Yeah. So well, that's so important. You're not because just be relaxed is like saying, I just want to lose weight. Well, how are you going to lose weight? Well, okay, I'm going to do 30 minutes, three times a week to start of this. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you, I think that's a really important lesson for people. You like we had um, Cal Shapiro on the show, this um, pop hip hop artist who used to be in Time Flies. Now he's got his own thing. And his big thing, he's like a two handicap, is he takes a deep breath over the ball and he lets it all out and then he starts his swing. And that helps him. That's his key. A lot of people have DM'd us being like, dude, that is like change my game because it gives you something to focus on that's not results-based. It's very executional-based. It's attainable too. You yeah. can do it. You can yeah. control it. Yeah, yeah I that's, love that. That's great. That's, I love that. At, at the end of the day, that's really how you get better is, is first doing the things you can control that might be something like that, right? But those lead into other things. They lead into more freedom, more confidence, you know, then you can keep repeating them and then you start noticing, Hey, maybe while you're sitting in traffic, Oh, I'm clenching my jaw. Okay. Well, that's, let's not do that. Let's, let's get back to how we would on the golf course. And then you realize how much life skill stuff is incorporated with playing good golf. I love it. Well, um, if you guys aren't following Jared, follow him at J hat golf, Twitter, Instagram, um, anything that we didn't cover or anything you want to reiterate for the average golfer, even the aspiring pro um, or the current pro that might be listening that you want to make sure they remember from today? Yeah, man, just have fun. Uh, life, life is meant to be fun. We're not, we're not locked down to you know, what some people say we're supposed to do. So if someone tells you you can't do it, just use it as motivation to, to keep getting better. Um, I mean, don't, don't use it as aggression, but just, just as motivation to keep getting a little bit better every day. Uh, it's all I've been trying to do. And like I said, my life has gotten a lot better outside of golf as well because of, of letting go of that stuff. So just enjoy right, each so, day. So enjoy the ride. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. So you've got Q school mm-hmm. soon. Yep. September 21st through 24th in Palm Springs, California. Awesome. Well, we'll be rooting for you. And you know, I can almost feel from you that it's not this like, I'm sure there will be pressure in the moment. There will be moments where you might be more tentative than you would have liked. But I think from what I'm hearing, you know that you have the tools to reset and focus on what you can control and you have your keys to go back to. And that's got to be really comforting and freeing. You know, you have the game, you've removed all the unnecessary stuff. And now you can just go play and see where the chips fall. And I think that's exciting. Yeah, man. I, I think the, the exciting part about the work I've done is the tournaments are the reward now instead of the, mm. the pressure. Uh, well, I get to go practice the stuff that I've been practicing in a tournament setting. And that's, that's, I guess, another thing I haven't really thought about deeply is, is 
helped a lot is like that's the reward now i want to go play tournaments yeah i love that well man i i love your story um i i think it's really valuable and i think it can help a lot of people so um keep chugging keep doing what you're doing and uh we'll be rooting for you awesome man thank you so much for having me on 